Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wong. And I'm Dr. Susan Fanter. And today we are talking about... Reeds. When you know they're dead. (laughs) Also known as Reed Euthanasia. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, Sue. So, so this is uh, let's we're going to catch up, but we're going to talk about a couple things. We got a couple gear equipment questions, okay, from listeners that you printed off. Thanks for that. We're going to okay. catch up on our follow up of atomic saxophone practice habits. Yes, uh, which you've been diligently doing in your bourgeois notebook. My very, it's very low tech, but very bourgeois. I suppose. No, it's it cute though. Look, it is cute. It's, it's cute. It's, it's a decomposition. I, yeah, book. I picked it up at Deep Roots, which is our little co op. In, in downtown Greensboro, right. North Carolina. So I want to just say something about co-ops really quickly. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> How's that for a tangent right off the that's, bat, Everyone Wally. wants to hear about your, your, your thoughts on co-ops, Sue. Go so, ahead. So the thing is, Wally. Yeah. So back- Well, first of all, if someone doesn't know, what is co-op short for? Co-op? Cooperation? I don't Cooperative. know. Cooperative. Cooperative. I believe so. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. That's got to be right. Jeez, yeah. Wally. Yeah, this co-op is getting has, really hard. I haven't had enough coffee for these questions. Well, now we're drinking decaf okay, tea. We got so tea. it's good. Yeah. So, so there was a co-op, a cooperative, mm-hmm. in Buffalo, New York, just a few blocks from where I used to live, and it was super low tech, like just stuff from local farmers in baskets and coolers that had like locally grown meat, and you had to like like dig through stuff to find what you I wanted. I think you're describing a dumpster. No! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really cute little co-op and it was cheap. Okay. Like everything was cheap and right from the farmers and you never knew what you were going to find in there, but you could always find like some meat and some cheese. And like some a dumpster. Milk okay. and bread from local producers. <laughs> so you were dumpster diving in yes, Buffalo. Yes, okay. Okay. And, and then like it got so popular that they could afford to build a new facility on Elmwood Avenue. And then it was very posh and kind of expensive. Well, okay, back to Deep Roots in Greensboro, which is actually a really lovely co-op. Okay. And so part of the thing with a co-op is you have, some people are like owners, part owners, and they sign up and pay some money to be, you know, going together as a cooperative and they work the register and stuff like that. So there are some people who are owners. And anyway, this place is... Wonderful. It has wonderful food, lots of organic stuff, and some locally grown produce and stuff like that. But I, it's close to my house, so I only go there once in a while when I really need something and I don't feel like going a few more blocks to the big grocery store. Yeah. And we always say, okay, well, is it worth driving up to the real grocery store where, you know, the butter's going to be, I don't know, four bucks a pound? Or should we go over to the co-op where it's going to be $10 for the pound of Right. How badly do I want to avoid the big store? So anyway, I was in there one day. I think I was picking up a bottle of wine and a, and a loaf of bread. And did you, Wait, did you get your pound of cheese or a butter? No, because it's 10 bucks there, Wally, and okay. I didn't need butter. We'll come back to why you're buying a pound of butter, but go on. I buy a pound of butter all the time. Yeah. Hey, this, this will circle around to the saxophone we'll at some point. I don't know. Yes, quickly here. Okay. So I'm getting ready to check out. I'm heading to the checkout, and I see this little display with these tiny little decomposition books. They look, look like those little composition, composition books, yeah. notebooks that you get for school. And this one has like little hummingbirds on it. It's super cute. So I'm like, oh, that would be great for me to keep a log of my practice. There it is. There's I think the saxophone it, related content. Yeah, I think it was the very day we recorded that podcast yeah. later in that day. Atomic I needed wine habits. after that podcast, let me tell you. No, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the checkout with this, you know, bottle of wine and the loaf of bread and this little notebook. And, you know, 
I, I, I pay for everything. And I think, gosh, that was kind of expensive. I look at the receipt and this tiny little notebook was like five or six bucks, which yep. is silly, but it's, it's dedicated specifically to my practice log. And I'm looking at the notebook and there is very neat handwriting yeah. filling page after yeah. page. So I, I write in the date and the time that I practiced and what I practiced. And if I didn't practice, um, I say something about why I didn't have time that day or why I decided not to that day, um, things like that. So, so you have like a little justification excuse log. Yes. Yeah. And also like why I practiced the thing I practiced most pressingly because of some rehearsal or recording right. that was coming up. But it's been interesting. And the the thing I want you to know is that I've been doing better, yay me, uh, with those half hour random <gasps> chunks of time that seem, you know, yes. oh, too short to practice, why bother? I have, because of having to write these things down and not wanting to get to the end of, day, of the day and saying, I didn't practice at all, like not a minute. I can at least sometimes say, well, I practiced a half hour and this is what I did. That's and, fantastic, and, yeah. And you know, we actually do practice what we preach more than than we think. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm always like saying on the podcast, you should make sure you warm up, make sure you play through your reads and blah, right. blah, blah. And I'm looking at my log and I do actually. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I actually do that stuff that I say we should it's do. It's a good feeling. Occasionally I'll feel like really pressed for time. I got a lot of like educational stuff to record yeah. for YouTube and the and my my members. And I'll be like, oh, I just got to get my, my horn together and play. And I'll start to play like, I haven't done exercise zero. And I'll stop and do it just because I can like see their little disappointed faces in my mind. Yeah. yeah I don't you, need that. You know uh, what else I want to tell you about exercise zero? What's that? So I've started using that with some of my students. Oh, yeah? And, and, noticing, and they've quit? No. And, um, yeah. So, yay. Thank you. Oh, yeah. For that. Because, um, yeah. And, and I've been doing it some, too. Like, trying to get, like, even a good air attack. On, on a low B flat. On a low B flat. Yeah. yeah. And to be able to start the note with the tongue, but not have it sound like a diphthong or explosive or creak or. Or any, thart. All of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's not easy. And I've had a couple of students I've been working with um, who they kind of pinch up in the palm mm -hmm. keys and they squeak up there. And one day I thought, hmm, I wonder if Wally's exercise zero would be helpful. And in fact, it is. So thank you. That's very good. Yeah. I, make, I make my living off, uh, you know, giving saxophone advice. So to know that I'm not a complete fraud and selling- You're a, not. Not at all. It actually works. You know what selling, you're talking about, selling man. Selling Selmer oil. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'll I'm, help sell Selmer So anything. what you're saying is the podcast is slowly changing the world. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, it's not changing the world. What? Uh, synthetic reads at this point. Um, have not changed the world. I think they're no. close, but they're. I think they're amazing, and I encourage my students to have at least one or two. Yeah. As like a, a backup emergency, and also as a remover of variables. So if they're having a problem, uh, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Having a problem, I say like put on your legere or your. I got to say the vens are very good. Put on your ven. I got to try them. And try is them. it squeaking now? Is this problem happening now? They say no. Okay, good. Then you know it was your cane read. Yeah. So like, oh, so Kane's the problem. No, 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 that no. specific read. Right. Yeah, which is, again, I have a very advanced student of mine uh, was saying, hey, I just got this new mouthpiece and like, it's chirping up there. I was like, ah, 
are you using the same reed that you used on your previous mouthpieces? Right. Yeah. I was like, yep. It adopts that that shaping, a curvature, the table, and the window impression. Gotta start so, new reads. So yeah. With so a new it's mouthpiece. not always reeds are not inherently evil. Some reeds have problems and and their usage, which leads us to a a question that we get a lot. Yeah. When do you know? The t- it's time to take the reed to the vet where they light the little candle outside the room. <laughs> and I had to do this with our beagle not that many years ago. Mm. Yeah. Let's get let's get real down here. Let's now, not. So, yeah, okay. Let's not. We'll so, talk about reeds. So, yeah, yeah. It's a lot okay. less sad. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes it's like a reed that you just love yeah. and you've been playing on. I call them my old friend. I'm going to play on my old friend yeah, That's reed. weird. I'm sorry. It's my, I mean- <laughs> Never mind. Do you name them? I'm like, no. <laughs> but I mean, by the, by the time a reed works Johansson, its way- Johansson, no. <laughs> by the time a reed works its way up to position number one on the reed holder, right. it's been on that reed holder for a while and you've played on it a lot. Right. And you know this reed, it may not be the best reed that ever existed in the world, but you know how it's going to respond when you try to go for that high note or that low mm-hmm. note and, all, and what you have to do to make it work. Anyway, so if you're playing on a reed and you feel like, well, oh, the sound is not. If your reed stops eating and <laughs> it's real lethargic around the house. Oh, you're just so dark. If, if your reed doesn't enjoy activities it used to love, you know, you, you throw the, the reed knife and the reed doesn't go after it, you know, that's Say how. Say suddenly your, your low notes are not working or you can't tongue as fast as you know you normally can or the sound is kind of dull. And then you take the reed off, don't throw it away yet. Yeah. And you try, it's similar to what you were just saying about yeah. just try a different reed. Take out a new reed and see how that is. And if suddenly the low notes work better or you can tongue or the sound isn't so dull, you know, it's For me, time. it's a dullness. It's, I know, yeah. I, I think when I was younger, like the more I played the reeds, they got buzzy. I remember that, but that that for the past many a decade at least, no, my reads now they get dull. That's interesting. Um, same for me. Yeah. yeah. Same for me. Now I will say yeah. some jazz reads, jazz cut reads tend to get super buzzy and anemic, but my classical reads get dull. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for me on the alto, the soprano. Right. Less so because that's such a bright instrument. Yeah. No, I know what you're like. Yeah, I actually yeah. don't mind that. I'm like, oh, I'm right. <laughs> so on average, how long are you are your reads living? Oh, gosh. And let me ask you this. Is it like dogs where small ones live longer? Oh, the small ones live less long. I go through soprano reads faster than alto reads. Is that because you're playing more soprano though? Because I I talked to a colleague, I'm not going to name your names, and I was like, how long have you been playing that soprano read? Huh. It's a very fine player. Yeah. And the person's like, I don't know, like a year. Wow. Yeah. And well, yeah. It, like we, we kind of yeah. gave her this like joke, like we think soprano reads just kind of become petrified and just kind of keep on. Well, there might be something like that. <laughs> yeah. But mine, like if I play like those concerts we did not too long ago with Red Clay, we played, a, you know, the Stiller Chamber Symphony and we played the glass. Oh. Uh, saxophone quartet. That'll slash concerto. Yeah. By the end of that concert, like the next day that read, I, I kept it for a practice read, but it was not okay for a concert anymore. Honkety honk, squeak. <laughs> that's, that's how that goes, right? The, is that that's, the that's one of the melodies. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, it's been many a year since I've. I love yeah. that piece. It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So you guys yeah, played it's that. Grueling. So you, we did. you had a performance recently with the Red Clay Saxophone Quartet. We did. Yeah, we played the same program pretty much twice. Yeah. Who else cool. in the quartet? So it's. 
Me on Soprano. Darn straight. Laurent Estopé on Elto. Mm-hmm. Steve Stusek on Tenor and Mark Engerbretson on Barry Sachs. And we've been together for 20 years now. 20 years? Yeah, Laurent's new in the last couple of years. So Sue started the quartet when she was nine. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I started it together with Steve and Mark and Bob Fob. Uh, when we, Bob Fob. Bob Fob. I love to say that. When we moved to Greensboro in 2003. Wow, I moved here in 2009. Yeah. yeah. And we've, we just, Greensboro's like this black hole. It's hard to leave. It is hard yeah. to leave. Here Especially we are. Especially when you buy a house here, you look at housing prices in the rest of the country, you're like, oh, heck no. I think we met pretty soon after you got here. Yeah. yeah. No, like you were my first, like I was getting my doctorate at an unnamed university in near this town. We had so much There's fun. no way you could infer which one it was. No. And, <laughs> and you were like one of my first saxophone lessons in town. It was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, I was filling in for a semester teaching yeah. the, the the upper doctoral. At the unnamed school that I'm still paying yeah. loans to. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, I'm watching <laughs> a, uh, I'm watching a Norwegian so TV show called <laughs> Occupied. Okay. And the prime minister in that show is a dead, creepily, eerily same doppelganger ringer for uh, your your tenor player in your quartet. Really? It's bizarre. Whoa. Yeah, it's real. I'll show you some some clips. Oh, and man. The listeners are like, what are you talking about? Who is this? I'm like, don't worry about it. This is between Sue and I There's, right now. There are really weird situations when you see somebody and you're mm-hmm. like, whoa. So they were doing construction on our road. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to talk. Yeah, you know, yeah. The people listening to this podcast are like, I thought this was about saxophone. It is, because we got really specific nerdy gear questions. Yeah. So we have to pepper well, it with life lessons. I know, exactly. Well, you know, I was home in my living room practicing the saxophone, so that counts, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and I look out, and there are all these utility vehicles on um, on the street outside mm-hmm. my house, and they're taking down the old utility poles and putting up these new utility poles. It doesn't matter what they're doing, but it's cool to watch these people work because they're working very carefully. They're moving electric lines Wally. So this is well, like, probably like scary stuff. Right? No, the power is on. They wrap them in these orange things. It's it's oh, okay. really cool to watch. Anyway, the reason I bring this up is the doppelganger thing. So I'm I'm heading out to um, you know, I have to go run some errands, get groceries and stuff like that. And I have to go out and I have to talk to one of the workers and ask, oh, can is there some way without bothering you? Can I get my car out? I can go later if I need to, but I was just right. wondering. And this guy, I said, excuse me, sir, and he turns around. I swear he is the spitting image. What does that expression mean anyway? He is a doppelganger for my younger brother, Bill. He turns around and I I like, like my breath stops for a minute because I'm like, what is my brother doing here working in North Carolina? On, and then I realized, okay, it can't possibly be my brother. So I asked my question and the guy's probably thinking, what is this lady looking at me like this for? And he says, oh yeah, no problem. We'll just get you out. No problem. You just let us know. And so they, he was super nice guy, which makes him even more of a doppelganger for my brother. Mannerisms like my brother looks just like my brother. So So weird. What you're saying is you have an illegitimate half brother that lives in North Carolina. Yeah, could be. That just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we kill our read. So you had a red plate. You had a red clay. How did the red clay concert go? Oh man, this is go? like a really like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't seen each other in a while. I know, so the, how did the red clay concert go? It was great. So first we played it at an unnamed university that's in our town. Okay. And we played uh, four student uh, graduate composition student compositions for saxophone quartet, and they were all four of them really terrific, and that was fun. I always love playing the student pieces. She's and we, winking at me right now. What? We played this uh, Stiller, so Andrew Stiller's Chamber Symphony okay. for saxophone quartet, which is 
he's not a super well-known composer. He's, it's not a super well-known piece, although it has been recorded by the Amherst Saxophone Quartet. Oh, they good. Yeah, and the piece was written for them. Okay. Back in Buffalo. So Andrew Stiller studied in Buffalo for a while, worked with Lajar and Hiller. Now, did was, he go to the same dumpster for you as you when, when he lived in Buffalo? Uh, probably. Probably. It's yeah. a very popular it's, Yeah, yeah especially with, you know, musician and like, you right. know, artsy people like to go to co-ops yeah. and dig through stuff. It just looks cool. <laughs> David Bowie would dig through the dumpsters behind clothing stores in the fashion uh, industry oh, area of, of London and they would get their costumes and their, their wardrobe together that oh. way. And That's like, you know, brilliant. by piecing together the what was thrown out and re-sewing and stuff like that. Yeah, go to the rich areas. So, so if there's one takeaway. Yes. <laughs> we as saxophonists need to do more dumpster diving. That is a complete takeaway. Hepatitis but Andrew Stiller's So Chamber Symphony is this right. wacky four movement piece that he's making fun of, or not making fun, not really, using our knowledge of the four movement symphony or four movement string quartet forms. Okay. Yeah, and then and then we played the glass uh, saxophone quartet, which is also a four movement now, work. Yeah, there is kind of a traditional, kind of codified by Mozart, uh, classical era string quartets. What is that 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 classical four yeah. movement format? It so is so that first movement is a sonata form, and mm -hmm. this so the development section or the second theme goes to some kind of related key. And this is funny in the Stiller. Instead of going to the the like up a fifth or something like that, right. he goes up a quarter tone. And it's actually really wacky, calliope sounding. And people were very intrigued by this. I thought they were going to freak out and like leave. But they were actually intrigued by this. I did do a little spiel before we played that piece because I oh, wanted to so warn people. Oh, so smart. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the second movement of the Stiller, that movement alone is reason to play the piece. It is one of the most gorgeous themes and variations ever written. Absolutely glorious, glorious piece of music. You know, maybe oh. you'll drop in a sound clip of that. that well, is so what beautiful. is usually the third movement of a string quartet? It's usually either a minuet or a scherzo. Usually in? Three. Three. In, yeah, three meter. Yeah, in triple meter. In, in three. And this one, instead of being a light, elegant minuet, is kind of like a heavy, almost like elephants are trying to dance a minuet. And then the last movement is a rondo. What is a rondo? A rondo is, is a... Um, a form where this A section, this first section, keeps coming back. So, for example, A, and then we have a B section, which is contrasting music, and then that A section comes back. And then we have C, which is some other music. In in the case of this one, it's got a slow section. Then yeah. it comes back to A at the end. It's because the composer, the, the Rondo happens because the composer writes a real banger. And yeah. like, oh man, this- I'm going to keep using this, This thing man. is fire. It's got to come back <laughs> yeah. again it's and again and again. Yeah. Daddy's going to cash in on this hook. But yeah. that, that piece is very like traditional in its form, but with some kind of wacky, humorous takes on it. It's a oh, terrific really cool. piece that doesn't get played a lot. Although um, Masato Kumoi's quartet did make a recording of it also. So there are two really great Why don't we review uh, some quartet literature and then throw in some sound clips? Not not the, not, not today. Yeah, I, let's I do that sometime. Can't be, can't yeah. be bothered to edit it today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah too much work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've got, I've got this going yeah. habit in like um, Saxophone Academy. Dear listeners, you've got to see Sue's notebook. It is is to the T of cute. details. If you haven't heard last week's episode of uh, Atomic Saxophone Habits, that's what we were talking about, yeah. uh, logging, notating practice, and keeping up with it. And you know what? If you want to listen to the Red Clay concert of the Stiller Chamber Symphony, and then we also played the Glass Quartet, and we also did um, an arrangement by Stephen Bryant of Stephen Bryant's piece, Dusk, 
for Saxophone Ensemble, and some members of the UNCG Saxophone Ensemble came and joined us at Baldwin Auditorium at Duke. That concert was live-streamed, and the recording of the live stream is up on the Duke University website. If anybody wants to go we'll check see the concert, it's yeah, there. Yeah, the video's still up. So speaking of things, are, are your reads still up? So let's get back to- <laughs> That read no, died. How long, uh, on average, how uh, long does a read last for you? It really varies. It's funny. Some reads last longer than others. And when I'm playing through my reads, what do we call them? Conditioning. Not we breaking in. We don't, yeah, we don't break, break in. in reads. We condition yeah. them. I break so in I'm interns. Doing, I condition my I'm reads. I'm doing my warm-up. I start on my newest one. I play a few notes. I put mm-hmm. it away. The next one, a few notes, put it away. The third one, a little bit longer, maybe a scale or two, maybe my little finger warm-up thing. The fourth read, and so on and oh, so on. Oh, you mean on. fourth day? Fourth. Well, no, the... Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So it's I, but, not, but when it's not I, like the fifth read in the box gets the most play time. It's on no, the, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. They're on my holder. Gotcha. So gotcha, I gotcha, keep gotcha. them on my holder and I play through all the reads on my holder, like every other practice session. I let them rest a little bit. And if one, not, if, yeah, yeah. if I'm like, yeah, that one's really too soft. That rarely happens. That one's really too hard. I just get rid of it. And so by the time they work their way up to the top four, they're pretty conditioned. They're pretty broken in, as I used to say. And they're getting and those, cocky. Yeah. Those last a while, but ah. I don't. I think the longest I've ever had a read that I've played on regularly that I'm still playing on is about six months. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah that's about, really about good. About six months by the time it started at position ten to the time it got to position one, okay. and by the time it gets to position one, it's not really a concert read anymore. <laughs> it might be like uh, informal kind of thing, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like two or three are usually my concert reads. It's 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 sitting on the floor looking sleepy, and you <laughs> give it extra food. <laughs> And a few extra pats oh, before you take it off like to the that. the reed knackers yeah. yard. But my my soprano reads blow out faster than my than my alto reads Interesting. for me. It, partly I think it is because I play soprano more. Right. But partly I think they have to vibrate so fast. Oh, that's in the maybe. So I think it wears them out. Yeah. So have you I tried just have... playing in the lower register so they'll last longer? <laughs> I should do that. It would be cheaper, nah, right? Nah, I, should, nah. I should ask some clarinet players, like, how long do your reads last? You know, how does that compare to this? Yeah, and they'll, and they'll pull out their Excel sheets and like, yeah. oh, God, sorry I asked clarinet player. <laughs> but what about like Barry Sax? So Mark's got reads that he's ahead on that holder for like a year. Yeah. Yeah. I will say my my Barry reads sometimes will last a decade. Yeah, mine too because I almost I don't never have a play. play. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so for it, for me for jazz reads, I know they're dead when there's a when I feel like there's no cooperative resistance, and in the classical reads they just get dull. The low end response stinks. I'm usually still loving the high end, yeah. but then like below G one G with that octave key starts to feel stuffy yeah. and dead, and it just lost that shine. Yeah, I mean metaphorically, but, but it's do not- condition your reads and do keep them on a read holder. I can't tell you how many of my students still are putting their reads back into those little cases that they come in, you know, with the Van Doren reads. I know. I do that. Why do you do that? Because I haven't, um, I'm developing a read case and it's, I'm waiting for the prototype. And so like. Do you want me to just get you some cheap thing to use in the meantime, Wally? No, I just need to pull, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to have one in my hands very soon. <laughs> Speaking of uh, read case, so a good read case is critical. Um, yeah, and they're they're cheap. Yeah, I mean well, you can I mean, you the, can pay forty bucks for a, a a really good one. A really nice. Yeah, one. but speaking can, of speaking of really can, nice things, so you're drinking tea right now, hot tea. <laughs> I am out of it's a glass. Lovely. Now that's called the Keep Cup. That was designed by a design firm in Australia. Uh, so it's, it's glass. It's got a cork ring. It, yeah. It's 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 fine. 
But what I'm drinking out of is called a husky cup. Let me see that. So that is called husky wow. as in husk so because cool. it is made from, uh, they've recycled and repurposed the husks from coffee beans, which are normally just 100% waste. And they have it's made so it beautiful. into a reusable cup that they do recycling programs. Good. Well, that's the tea inside the cup that they smell. <laughs> Don't smell my cups. So that's weird. <laughs> and so this is the husky cup. It has won the Australian Good Design Award. Um, and there are oh, some wow. coffee programs where basically, you know, instead of going to get a paper cup, you bring this cup in, they give you a fresh one. And so it's a that's reusable great. cup. And the the company, the design firm that designed this, uh, that's the one I'm working with. Is so, it? Oh, uh, well, that's exciting. It's, it's going to be good. So, Can we get some of these with the Saxophone Academy logo on the lid? Probably not. Oh, okay. uh, because it's it's a different it's company. Not- it was not it was designed <laughs> by my friends, but not not manufactured. Anyway, that is really beautiful. Yeah, so pretty cool. So like uh, these great minds are on on the on the task of saxophone so, products right yeah, now. So yeah, reed case. Next strap. Next strap. And the ligature, and the ligature. is looking. Amazing. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to give a little diversion away from tea. So <laughs> we've got specific nerdy equipment questions. Let's yes. knock these things out. Okay. Let's knock Let's, them out. You okay. read, you read them. Okay. You printed well, out the email. Okay. Okay. So one is about upgrading the sacks from a student sacks. Let's do that one. Who's it yes. From? Who's, who, hold on. This Mil- is mailbag. Are we ready? There. Here's a mailbag. Oh. Oh no, that's the wrong sound effect. Well, that's okay. nice though. I don't mind the yelling. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. It's the mailbag. They didn't Woo-hoo! have a heckling button. <laughs> oh, how do you say this first name? Marquise. Mar Marquez. 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 Let's go with Marquez. Um, has a question. Hey, Wally and Sue, I am thinking about upgrading my sax from a student sax. This is a great question. Mm-hmm. I have currently, should I say what they currently have? Should I read it? Yeah, why not? I have currently have, okay. I think you mean I currently have a Jean-Paul AS. Yeah, in general, Sue, when I read emails, they're typing these very quickly into a response box. Don't be a jerk I, about it, right? Is that what I you're going to say? If, if you have the choice of not correcting someone's writing, you know. <laughs> well, if my brain had worked a little faster, I would have corrected faster. There are ten, tens of people that listen to this, Sue. At least five. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about going to a P. Moriat 67R Equinox. Do you think this is a good idea? Why are the P. Moriats so cheap? 67R Equinox, they have a Jean-Paul Altosax 400, AS400 currently. So I will have to say in full disclosure, Wally, I am not super familiar with the Jean-Paul saxophones, all the models, and I'm not also not super familiar with the P. Moriart, all the various makes and models but I could talk about upgrading from a student sax. Let's do that. Let me see. So, so the P. Marriott uh, currently retails, it's looking at about $3,679. About $3,679. For the Proline Alto? For the Proline Alto. That's, that's obviously not their, their top of the line. Yeah, but that's- uh, okay. That is manufactured in, um, in Taiwan, I believe. That's a good price. Um, yeah, not bad if it, if it yep. plays really well. Yep. Uh, I don't personally love the P. Marriott's. One of the things that like their their big uh, selling points are like rolled tone holes. I just don't particularly like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the dark. Well, this is personal opinion, but I don't like the kind of uh, faux vintage lacquer. That's a personal opinion of yep. mine. Um, some people love rolled tone holes. I really don't. I know that's a that's a selling point and raises the mm-hmm. price. I say. I say. Um, What's the point of them? 
What makes them better for well, people's Well, because it minds. doesn't have a sharp uh, uh, edge, it's a lot easier to seat and less sticking, uh, uh, okay. in theory, if it's done well. Yep. But there are companies that, I'm not saying P. Marriott, right. but I know there are some like, oh, it's real tone holes, and they just solder a ring on top of the tone hole, it's not level, and it's not done well, and it's just kind of a nightmare right. if it's not done well. But, so, uh, I, I gotta say, I really, have, um, obviously, I think very highly of the Jean-Paul. Um and so that's the student line one, that one? Yeah, the 400 is their okay. student line. Okay. I think the 860, which is, oh, like $1,600, which is their pro line. For the pro line? That's yeah, and that's like very reasonable. Ha- less than half the price of the P. Morion. Yeah. That's personally where I would do, or if you're wanting to spend 3000 or more, I would get the Yamaha 62. It's going to play yeah. freer blowing, much higher resale value, and Those it's, are it's just ones. a Yamaha. Yeah, it's not as sexy as the faux vintage lacquer rolled on. It just works and it's going to sing. Yeah. Intonation's going to be good. And then if you ever want to upgrade or change, you throw that on the internet or go to your saxophone dealer and you can get basically your money back, no problem. You know what's really interesting about that Yamaha um, YAS62? Yeah. Is that is the instrument, oh gosh, that is the instrument that I bought or my parents bought for me in high school when it became obvious that I was going to go major in music and we could not afford to go move up to any kind of professional right. level saxophone. But my teacher was like, there's no way she can go to Northwestern and study with Fred Hemke playing on, you know, basically a YAS 23 right. is what I had, no high F sharp key or anything like that. I couldn't, I wouldn't even have been able to play, you know, the modern repertoire, you know, the stuff I was playing. Right. <clears throat> I could get by and I could, I could do alto just fine, but I, I really, really, really needed a better horn. And that 62 was great. And I played on it for years. It was great. My tenor saxophone is a uh, Yamaha tenor, YTS, the tenor 62. Really? My parents yeah. got it for me when I got into grad school. It was a very nice gift that I got for Christmas to help me into, you know, grad school. having a second horn. It's lasted me. And I just, every time I think, oh, it'd be fun to get a new tenor. I just can't justify it because yeah. that. So uh, uh, Marquez, that would be my recommendation if you're going to spend that. Or if you want to save some cash, I think the Jean-Paul is great. The reason, to answer this question, the reason the P. Marriott is cheaper is because it's not manufactured in Japan like the Yamaha Pro lines. Their student uh-huh. lines are manufactured in China. Um, same thing with Selmer. Selmer is French. You're paying for the name and French manufacturing, which is why it's so much more expensive. Uh, I would, uh, P. Marriott's kind of like premium tai- Taiwanese. Yeah. Um, they're perfectly fine. I know people that love them. Um, I know people who love them, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but, and as you've said before, you can play a horn, a pro horn for your entire life. Oh, yeah. So, if you think about like the $1,000 difference between that and then going up to like a Yamaha 875 or a Yamaha, I don't like the 82Z Alto very much. I love the 82 Tenor. I don't love the 82Z Alto, but then going up to like an 875 Custom EX Alto, oh, yeah. Those are I mean, it's about $1,000 more. You got to think if you play the horn for 20 years, that's not a lot of, and now it's, yeah. it's super easy to just sit in this comfy chair and say, oh, yeah. just, just drop another $1,000. Well, of course, But yeah. at the same time, um, I would say like, yeah, save until you can get, once you get to that $3,000 mark, yeah. save and get the exact horn you want. Yeah. And you know, you're the only one who can decide like how much you can afford. Right. You know, and that's, that's your personal situation. And also- how uh, much tell, do you- would you sit? Would you tell my interior decorator that, please? <laughs> oh, tell them. Hey, take it easy on poor Wally. <laughs> Wally, these are just what you need to spend on curtains. I'm sorry, that's yeah. just what it is. <laughs> uh, but you know, I always tell students, you're only going to do this once. If you if you get a really wonderful professional horn, yeah. you know, and you can say, well, Sue. Didn't you just buy a new Alto? Yes, but did I need to? No. I would have been perfectly fine keeping the horn. 
I had. I just decided I wanted the new one and I, I really did fall in love with it. And I got to say, the more I play it, the more I love it. I really oh, do love it. Oh, that's so good. I was, I was in a little bit of panic, you know, after I sold my old saxophone in a couple of weeks, you know, the, the new horn was in the shop and I kept thinking, what have I done? What have I done? And then I got it and I was like, well, it's great. And then I, I took it to school and I played it in some lessons. I was like, oh yeah, that's really nice. And then more and more I play on it and I'm like, oh, that's really nice. That's oh, such a cool feeling. And I opened the case. I'm like, oh, you are very beautiful, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's definitely growing on me, you know. So Have I, you named I enjoy it? it. No, I never even named my old one. Isn't oh. that weird? So if you have a name suggestion for Dr. Susan Fancher's new Summer Supreme Alto Saxophone, yeah. uh, email it to Sugis Way to Attach to Physical Objects <laughs> at gmail.com. But can I say one more thing about just how do you know it's time to move up from yes, a yes, yes, that's, that's even alto. more important. Yeah. So some student, if you have a student alto with a high F sharp key, that's going to hold you longer because we do need that high F sharp key to learn our, our scale patterns, the way we're going to do them in college and beyond. And we do need that key for a lot of the repertoire. So if you have a high F sharp key, that's going to, that's going to last you longer. So think about that when you're buying a student model, maybe. But if you have one that doesn't have a high F sharp key and you start playing repertoire that has high F sharps in it, that's a good sign. Yeah, I will say time. most of these student line horns have high F sharp keys now. Now, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Jean-Paul AS400 he has does. Yep. That's great. Uh, I will say another reason to step up is the things you don't realize. Like if you go on YouTube, there are some people that um, sell via affiliate link or outright sell student horns. And they mm. will get a pro player blowing on that student horn and they sound Amazing. Oh, yeah. But what they're not telling you is that the spring action is not nearly right. as quick and precise. Right. The key heights usually go way further up. There's right. a lot more wasted motion. The keys are usually not as refined. Um, the dampening materials aren't nearly as good. They're usually heavier, a lot more ribbing and construction, which means, yes, the pro player blowing his guts out on a jazz mouthpiece. That still sounds great. You know, yeah. trying to play with nuance on a classical piece, it does not feel good. I have a student who's on a Yamaha student model. It's a 23. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a high F sharp key. And they are playing the Paula Maurice Tableau de Provence fifth movement, like wicked fast at tempo. This kid is incredibly talented, plays very well, and is so clearly outplaying that horn. And I keep telling them, um, you really need a new saxophone. It's loud. Um, the keys lag exactly what you're saying, Wally. Right. Their fingers are going faster than the keys can keep up. And there are some like different alternate fingerings I like to use that you can't use on that horn mm -hmm. and that will smooth out some of those transitions between uh, register breaks. So they just... Just yeah, I'm really, yeah, I get a lot of grief from people. Good. So I reviewed the Jean-Paul Pro line and people are like, well, oh, that's yeah. not a pro horn. What makes it pro? I was like, everything that yeah. you can't see in a picture or or hear in the sound clip. Yes, I you won't be able to tell the difference between me playing on the 400 or the 860 because right. I'm going to sound like me. But right. the player's experience, if I'm playing that, I'm trying to play the soft, the soft yes. passages while moving yeah. my fingers and having a very quick, while I'm not doing using gorilla grip to keep it sealing. Right. Uh, pro horns play. I don't care. Brass is brass, more, yeah, or, less. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, more or less. And a lot of even the student horns are using um, a blued, they're not blue needle, they're yeah. blued steel springs, needle uh -huh. springs, 
but it's it's all in the refinement of the key action, how far up the keys sit. Yeah. And, uh, and there's just all these other things about how they play, how they respond. And the student horns are slow and sluggish and they're built like tanks. They're built to last. They're not built for finesse and ease. And so I'm getting really tired of people just trying to, to make sales on affiliate links to yeah. say like, oh, all you need is this horn. Like, no. I took- It's not just as good. I, I, took the, I took the student's horn. They took their mouthpiece off. I put my mouthpiece on it and I played on that horn. It is- I can't even believe how he's playing on that horn. It is so hard to do what he's doing on that horn. And I, I just can't even imagine what he's going to sound like on, on it. Right. I almost let him play on my Supreme just so he could see what he's missing. But I thought, no, I better not do that. Right. And there's, <laughs> I don't really like to put my I horn know. in the hands of students. But but also, he doesn't need an $8,000 Supreme. No. A YAS-62 would be great. Well, $3,500 and get he's a, set for life. What if he got like a used one, mm-hmm. you know, that's in really great condition? What about a used Series 2 in, in really good Speaking condition? Speaking of which, yep. I think there's one right behind you. Is there? Yeah, other shoulder. Ah. Yeah, um, Brian, get a sex. Uh, that was just overhauled and you thought it'd be fun to compare. Nice. Um, I'm going to be making a video on my argument of the you're going to hate me for this. But <laughs> if you're going to buy a Selmer, buy either Mark VI or a used Selmer Series 2. I think the best values in Selmer saxophones right now. Oh, Especially yeah. Especially if you the, do any jazz playing. Well, and the the thing about the the Series 2s are, is that a lot of people who have them are moving to the Supreme and selling their old ones. Right. So you can, get, you can get one right now that's used and in really good condition. But I right. have to say one plug for the Supreme and and jazz is I think that the Supreme is more colorful than the Series 2. So if you play jazz, the Supreme might actually be the, be the first saxophone since the Mark VI that I think the jazz players are going to really like. There's little, so much yeah. personality and there's so much color in that instrument. It's a little bit more of a beast to handle, which is why I don't recommend it for younger, less experienced players. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Summer will kill me for saying that, but they're selling enough of them. They don't. They don't need to sell them, <laughs> you know, to high school kids. But I mean, right. if you want one, get one. Whatever. But I think that the jazz players are really going to dig um, the Supreme. Right, and it is true. There's no such thing as a jazz or a classical horn. No, but not there really. are there are tendencies that make. Like I will say, like I don't know many or any. There might be one. A classical player is on play on the 82Z alto. Interesting. Par- partially because there's just so little cooperative resistance, it's hard to broaden the tone into what we consider a quote-unquote typical classical saxophone sound. It's a little too direct and free-blowing for me. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, um, And, you know, and I the same thing, I know most jazz tenor players prefer the 82 over the 875. The 875 has a very broad, dark sound, and it's it's a little, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, they're not, there's no such thing as a jazz or a classical saxophone, but yeah. there are tendencies that make, depending on your style. Definitely. So, no, I, I hear you 100%. True, yeah. So, we talked about nerdy things. We did. We talked about reed euthanasia. Yes. We talked about your hipster dumpster diving days in Buffalo, yes. New York. <laughs> and I think we really made a big difference in the world. We, so, oh, for sure. Obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, I think <laughs> if you have a question for the Saxophone uh, Academy podcasts and you want to know more, do email us. You can you can email wally at the saxophone academy. Yes. Dot com, and we will maybe get to your question, maybe ramble on about dumpster diving. <laughs> but you'll never know unless you send the question. <laughs> it was fun talking with you. Yeah, good to see you. <laughs> I'll see, see you, you next week. Yes. All Let's right, everybody, it. go. Go practice. Go practice. Go practice.